like I Hold your head up high Till you find the bluebird of happiness You will find greater peace of mind Knowing there's a bluebird of happiness And when he sings to you Welcome back to the Philip K. Dick Book Club. In each episode of this podcast, I look at one of the works of Philip K. Dick. And in this episode, I will take a look at Retreat Syndrome. Uh, this is the only short story Dick published in 1965. Um, it was originally published in Worlds of Tomorrow. And you can find it in the fifth volume of, of the collected stories of, of Philip, K., Philip K. Dick. It's about... It's about 20 pages long, so it's it's fairly long, fairly lengthy. Um, but it's it's really a story about false memories, which um, something Dick, of course, did in uh, We Can Remember For You Wholesale, which we'll be looking at in an upcoming episode. Um, and we saw it in, what's that story? The story about the guy who, the, well, the invaders who, you know, are returning from another planet but they're actually robots or aliens who have been made to think they're humans returning home you know this is something dick's played with a lot this is a, a fairly in-depth look at the consequences and the, the politics of of false memories so it's a good one to to look into i don't i don't know how often this one is read but it's it's got a lot of great stuff in it so anyways, um, let's just jump right into the plot summary and, and then I'll follow this up with a bit of my analysis and then and then give you my, my final thoughts. Um, so Caleb Myers is a police officer and he stops a vehicle which is operating at 160 miles per hour due to a tampered speech governor. Now, now the driver, John Cupertino, claims that he is sick and needs to go some get to somewhere solid, quote unquote solid, right? He shows a card revealing that he is indeed under medical care. He also excuses himself by saying that this is how they drive on Ganymede. So he goes through all the whole host of excuses one might give to a cop after speeding, like this is how I drive back home or I have a medical emergency or, you know, I'm whatever. Myers, the cop, realizes that he's being delusional and actually thinks he's still on Ganymede, perhaps. And they make an emergency call to Cupertino psychiatrist, Dr. Hagiopian. Cupertino blames what is happening to him on the death of his wife, Carol. So then we jump to Cupertino, the psychiatrist. He's seen his... Um, no, we, 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 we switched to Hagopian's office. So Cupertino is seeing his psychiatrist in, 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 in the office later, later at night. He talks about how he killed his wife and how he's been troubled by the death of his wife. He wants to seek out legal counsel as well. And Hagopian, the psychiatrist, tells him once again that Carol's alive and well. She's not at all dead. He tells his patient that he needs to take moral responsibility for firing the laser beam, but that he should see for himself that Carol is alive. Cupertino, quote unquote, killed his wife to prevent her from running a story in the homeopapes. The homeopapes are the commonly used technology and Dick's fiction. These are basically the automated reporters and newspapers. Anyways, she wanted to run this story showing that the, the, the sixth planet educational enterprise, this company was going to be involved in an uprising to free Ganymede. And then he had to kill his wife to do it. But 
apparently this is a false memory or something. At least Hagiopian says that you you had the intent to kill your wife. You you pulled the trigger essentially, but you didn't actually kill her, right? Hagiopian tells him that if he sees Carol, he might find out the origin of this false memory that he killed her. So the psychiatrist is dealing with the consequences of a false memory and a false memory that's very traumatic, but it's still real, right? So he thinks he killed his wife, even though his wife is real. And he it seems to have made that decision to kill his wife. That's the more horrifying part of it. The very next morning, Cupertino does go visit his wife, Carol, who he has not seen since he acquired the memory that he killed her three years earlier. Carol tells Cupertino what happened that night. He threatens her with the laser pistol and, a threaten and demands that she accept divorce terms more favorable to him. He missed when he fired at Carol. He, he missed when he fired at Carol and fled. That night, he was forced by the police into mental health care. She suggests that the, that the doctor he saw at that time, Dr. Edgar Green, implanted the memory and cultivated the, plant, the, the false memory that he that he killed his wife. This guilt then led him to try to kill himself as he was being sent to Earth, you know, from Ganymede. Cupertino begins to believe that everything around him is false and that he is in prison for murdering Carol. He contacts Hagiopian with his re realization that he's actually in jail and he's being punished for killing his wife and that this, this memory he had of just meeting his wife and talking to her about this is actually another, is a false memory, part of the punishment. He contacts Hagiopian, you know, he threatens to end the treatment in, in order to expose the truth because he's essentially accusing Hagiopian of being part of the, the facade. Hagiopian explains that while his theory is plausible and interesting, Ganymede, Io, and Callisto all broke away from Earth in the revolt that his old company, the Six Planets, helped fund. For some reason, he is suppressing this basic historical fact. He, in any case, he is on Earth and subject to psychiatric treatment for the attempted murder nonetheless. Cupertino calls Dr. Edgar Green, that original doctor that he saw after he quote-unquote killed his wife. He demands to see his patient files from, Green, from the treatment. He demands to see his own patient files from the treatment. He confirms that the technique exists for implanting a false memory. Green essentially confirms this. He also agrees to send the reports, but Cupertino knows that six planets could easily manipulate the records in order to protect the, the revolt. The same reason they gave him the false memories in the first place. With the records from six planet, Cupertino begins his analysis. He starts with an order, he starts with the order for an analysis of writing by a university philologist. He knows that he feels most in touch with reality when he's with Dr. Hagiopian, so he assumes that Hagiopian must be real. He considers that the delusion is being maintained by regular doses of a drug from Ganymede called Frohodrine. Hagiopian mentions the records Cupertino received from Green. From this, he suspects Hagiopian's role in the delusion and starts to doubt Hagiopian's honesty. He says that he will trust test his theory by shooting Carol. Since she's already dead, she can't be killed again. So this is a pretty serious test, right? Because if he's wrong, he might be actually killing his wife this time. So, you know, he kills Carol. And we see him later on looking through the newspapers for a report on the crime. Because if there's a report that this woman Carol was killed, then that suggests that maybe he was delusional the first time. There's nothing. Hagiopian arrives to tell him that he will never find such a report because he was never allowed to see Carol. His second, the second murder 
on if his wife was, was a false memory. He's actually reading a Ganymede newspaper. Carol's being imprisoned and will remain in prison until the war with Earth ends. He is allowed to call Carol and confirm that she's alive. Cupertino, though, still unsure of the reality, drives away from Los Angeles, again with the goal of trying to kill his wife. So that's the story. We, we have kind of this overall p political game of this re revolt in the colonies, which is an old Philip Dick trope. But here it's all about this one person trying to come to terms with reality, you know, not trusting anyone, feeling he's being part of a he's part of a vast conspiracy. And then the, the way he can test whether this conspiracy is true or not is by killing his wife. Right. And so it's it's very much like uh, we can remember for wholesale in that it's it's a very personal story about false memories and, and you know, what and per the personal lives of, of the character but it's got a larger context of, of massive historical significance. It also stands nicely, I think, uh, to Precious Artifacts. And here I'm moving on to my, my, th my overall thoughts of the story. It sits nicely next to Precious Artifacts, and they were written pretty much at the same time. They both deal with the political uses of false realities. Precious Artifacts gives us a clear truth at the end and shows the false reality to be part of this system that's being set up to by the proxmen to control that character and that terraformer and keep them under their thumb. Here we we have a cleverer story in that we have different layers of falsehood and, and truth and we're never quite know where we're standing. In, in that way it's kind of like we can remember it for you wholesale and that there's a lot of ambiguity here. It's, it's a less concrete and that makes it I think less satisfying politically. It's, it's hard to have a political tale when you never have anything you can quite grab onto. Right, where it's just layer after layer of, of, of delusion. We're not really clear where this delusion begins or ends here. We're not really clear if Carol's dead, if she's been murdered, if who, she, who murdered her, is she in jail, is she free, is, is, is everything that happened in the story uh, false? You know, it's really hard to kind of grab onto. The delusion here is also more deeply personal in this story. Perhush's uh, artifact has this personal component in the sense that he, he wants to see his wife. He has, he wants, he grabs hold of this cat that's going to be his tie to his old world. In that sense, each person's acceptance of a horrible reality is due to the survival of a single object, but it's applied to, to everyone subject to the false reality. In this story, though, as far as we can tell, only one person is being deceived. And even the purpose of that deception is not entirely clear, right? It, it, why do it? It's, yeah, there's some relationship to this company that's involved with the uprising, but it's not even clear why one would do this. In Precious Artifacts, it's pretty clear why um, the false front is being put up. It may just be mental illness. It may just be a drug-induced psychosis, and these are all suggested in the text itself. He's, of course, seen a psychiatrist. Drugs are mentioned, so there's a lot of different explanations about what may be going on here. To my mind, it makes it a less satisfying story than Precious Artifacts because I like the kind of the political reading of it. I like the more grounded stories in which, you know, we, we actually see Dick's politics come out. Um, but it's, it's, it's very bleak too. this story, even bleaker in a way than Precious Artifact. And that's kind of a character in a lot of Dick's later stories is just this overall bleakness. I, I think not so much. I think in his novels throughout the 60s, he still has a little sliver of optimism. But by the by the 70s and 80s, they get just really, really dark and, and bleak. 
The three major theories for why Cupertino is experiencing a false reality of killing his wife lead to very different conclusions, though. The first is the nervous breakdown caused by his either attempted or real murder of his wife. So he has he kills his wife or he tries to and he has a nervous breakdown. His attempt to kill himself after the act suggests that personal trauma is 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 the cause of his delusion. It leads him on this endless quest to find out if she's alive or not. The only way he can prove to himself whether she's dead or not is to try to kill her again. This is the theory given to him at the end by Dr. Hagiopian. There's no conspiracy, just we're just experiencing a mind solely detached from reality. So that's one theory offered. A second theory is that his memory was changed by the forces leading the Ganymede revolt, which is essentially Cupertino's employer. After his arrest, he was sent to see a shrink that would work to then give him false memories. This is a theory dreamed up in Cupertino and given weight by Carol. And whether Carol's real or not, it's not clear. But it does seem to have a clear purpose, you know, politically. The final theory we're given is that the drug from Ganymede is causing the delusion. Since the police at the beginning suspect this, there may be people who have such, there may have been other people who have such false memories caused by the use of the drug. Because if one person used the drug, then, then many people would. And this is a theme that we sort of see played with in Now Wait for Last Year, where um, a, a drug can have devastating psychotropic effects. Now, we're just given ambiguity, though. So what's the next step? I, I don't know. We can just, we, we can you know, make theory videos, I suppose, but, you know, it doesn't really get us very far. He, though, what I think what's interesting, though, is he's madly searching for something solid, something he can grasp onto, even if it means he has to murder his wife, right? That's the solid thing he can grab onto. And that's kind of interesting for me, how he he's so desperate for something concrete in the world that he'll go to extreme lengths to reach it. And maybe that's one way we respond to this liquid world we live in, where we really can't grab onto anything. Things change around us. Politics seems increasingly bizarre. The economy seems increasingly unstable, so we don't really know what to grab onto. So it becomes a violent act is what someone can grab onto in this case. And that is kind of a frightening realization. The image of the psychiatrist in retreat syndrome is important as well. They seem to work for the system and they seem their primary loyalty to the employer or society. Hagiopian lies to Cupertino in order to protect the truth about Carol's imprisonment. Green seems openly to dislike his former patient and is indifferent to his needs and his interests. I mean, Green only really helps Cupertino because he's kind of legally required to. Um, one thinks that if the authorities on Ganymede wanted to impult the false memory into people, Green and Hagopian would be would do it to sustain their system, which gives them their professional authority. So we get the sense here that the psychiatrist just as an agent of institutions of power. You know, again, this is something that Dick brings out a lot. He, he very rarely do we see a psychiatrist who's a very sympathetic character in any of his work. Often it's um, a, an effort to, or these people work for the state in some way or they're an adjunct of some form of power. Um, so this is just part of his overall critique of the profession of, of, mental health care. Um, so that's the story. And that's my main thoughts on retreat syndrome. So um, as always, thanks so much for listening. Um, what's next? Well, next will be the the novels of, uh, we'll go back to novels. Um, I, I have to look up, I'm not sure which novels Dick wrote in, in 1966, but 
Um, that's what will be next. There's another story I could look at. Um, it's in the collected stories of Philip Dick. It's called A Terran Odyssey, and it, it's kind of next in the chronological order. The thing is that this seems to have been a manuscript Dick prepared, but it was a manuscript. But it was a manuscript that was never published, and it just it is essentially chapters and sections from Dr. Blood Money. So we've already looked at Dr. Blood Money, so we don't need to rehash the the, the um, the Terran Odyssey. So we'll just keep moving on into 1966. So that will do it for this episode. I guess it's a short one. Um, again, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time with, with the novels of 1966. You must you find the and contentment forever if you